When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It A Podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I'm Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rude for the last time, question mark? Um, for those that don't follow me on Twitter, I have accepted a role with Fox Sports as their soccer editor, and I am very, very excited uh, for this opportunity to cover a sport I grew up loving uh, and still love very much. And during a world cup year, no less, it is going like, I'm going to be thrown right into the fire. I am scared, but excited all the same, but this is uh, a part of my job. I have grown to love a great deal, uh, especially in the last like, two years or so i don't know what it is um maybe it's because the lakers haven't been as successful as we thought they all might be uh but getting to talk about the lakers with you jacob without the character limit on twitter and uh really the pushback that that we often get on twitter um you know getting to lay out all of my feelings uh and and have these conversations as you know, I want to say been been part my favorite part of my job, uh, especially because the editorial side uh, shifted more towards Clippers and Kings towards the end. I'm just as confused as to why that happened as you are. Um, but Clippers fans, Kings fans, and and you know, I can say I will be happy that will be <laughs> the case no longer. But yeah, let's enjoy this one. Let's uh. Soak it in all the history. I had to get uh, <clears throat> a little introspective in the last couple of weeks because, and now in the last, I don't know, two, three weeks, both you and Harrison have said you're leaving. And uh, is it me? <laughs> <laughs> Am I, I don't know what happened, but uh, yeah, both of you guys are leaving and abandoning ship. So uh, the no, this is, I always enjoy doing this and. Uh, Harrison and I joked during this season when things really went south that uh, he and I kind of started writing about the Lakers at the same time, which was when Dwight left. So we yeah. were we were molded by a team that was just atrocious. So when the Lakers went from like uh, being title contenders to like, oh, they suck, we hit our stride and because that's what we're used to. But uh, yeah, this – has always been a fun place just to to talk with a friend about basketball so i i don't know what uh i'll still be around i don't know what this pod's going to look like moving forward but we have we have one more uh, fun one in store today uh it's a lot more fun talking basketball when the celtics lose though <laughs> admittedly i did not i did not watch the probably first half or so of this game because I watched game one and it physically pained me to see the Celtics do that. And I, I just didn't want to deal with that today. I was having a good day. I didn't want the Celtics to annoy me. 
I uh, saw that the Warriors were starting to take off in the third quarter, as they always do. I turned it on and got in a lot better mood watching the Celtics just get run off the floor. And shout out to uh, Swaggy Pool, Jordan Pool, for that uh, wild half-court heave when uh, the whole time I'm thinking, give it to Steph, give it to Steph. <laughs> and buries a half-court shot. And it's 1-1 in the finals now. What a What a fun finals this is shaping up to be. It's crazy because it was a close game uh, for a lot of the game, like back and forth, trading baskets, not letting anybody um, get to the basket, the level of defense and just the coaching that has been on full display in this finals has been so, so fun. Like I saw somebody tweet uh, that it's like very refreshing to see coaches both play their best lineups like statistically and, and from a net rating standpoint um, on the on the floor at the same time. Like that's a lot of fun. And basketball at this level, the level that the Warriors have played at over the past few years and the level that the Celtics are playing at this year, it's just so, so much fun. Um, we did not get an Al Horford masterclass on Sunday, which I was a little disappointed about. Um I mean, I obviously wanted to see the Celtics lose, but there's something about watching Al Horford cook uh, that is just pleasing to the eye. Like, I don't know if it's nostalgic watching a big man as slow and big as him uh, go to work, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, not on Sunday, though. He's one of four from the field in you know almost 28 minutes and negative 15 in the box score. Jason Tatum, who led the team with, 28 points was a negative 36 in the box score. Um, so, so yeah, not a great night for the Celtics for the Warriors. I mean, they got contributions from the guys that for the most part that, that they didn't get contributions from in game one, most notably Jordan Poole, who went six of 14 from the field, ended the game with 17 points. Clay still doesn't look like himself at all. Uh, and I think, the fact that he's attempting as many field goal attempts as he is, is the biggest, I guess, uh, reflection of that. But man, what a team. I picked the Warriors very early on, uh, even before the season started. I said I wouldn't be surprised if they won the NBA finals. And, you know, they've exceeded my expectations. And man, Steph, if uh, they continue on this trajectory, Steph might have as many rings as LeBron soon. I didn't even didn't even think about that. I'm sure LeBron stands are very aware of that. Yeah, game one was wild. I mean, it was close too until the fourth quarter, and the Celtics just went bonkers. And it was Al Horford just hitting everything in that one. Um, there were a lot of arguments you could make from that game. The three point shooting from guys like Al Horford. Uh, Marcus Smart, Derek White, like that probably wasn't going to be sustainable, but it wasn't like the Warriors shot poorly in that one. Uh, game two was just kind of a – it felt like there was a greater sense of urgency overall. Uh, the Warriors' third quarter run in game two, it felt like uh, they realized – they smelled blood in the water, I guess. They didn't really do that in game one. Uh, in game two, they just slammed the door shut so that there was no room for any kind of comeback in the fourth quarter. Um, <laughs> rough, 
rough night from Tatum. I'm so conflicted on Jason Tatum. I, I have no idea how I'm supposed to feel about him because like, he's a lot of fun to watch young star of the league, huge Kobe disciple, huge Kobe fan, huge Lakers fan. Yeah. He's a Celtic. (laughs) Like I, it's such a conflicting, like tonight, is absolutely perfect. That's how I want every game to go for the Celtics. He has 28. The Warriors win by 20 points. Like, just do that the rest of the the finals where he looks awesome and nobody else does anything on the Celtics, and I'll be fine. Uh, if he can just keep doing that until he hits free agency and comes home to the Lakers, I will be over the moon. That's exactly what I want. But, yeah, I mean, the Warriors – Clay, I guess, just has to wait until game six to find his stride again. Um, I still can't get over. I mean, if we're talking like weird, interesting players, like Andrew Wiggins is so wild to me. Like, for one, it's just wild to think he was an all-star game starter. Like, that's that was weird in the moment, and it's not going to age well at all. Uh, he's like their fourth option on offense, fifth if Jordan Poole's out there. Like, uh, it's wild that he started an All Star game. At the same time, it is wild um, that he's this productive. Really, like when I thought they made that trade for D'Angelo Russell, I didn't really like it for the Warriors. I liked it more for the draft picks. And what that could become, and you kind of had to attach him as salary ballast. I would have never in a, like this is the something close to the version of Andrew Wiggins most thought you would get out of the draft, and it took him a long time to get here. But like he, I mean, tonight probably is not a, a great time to, to talk about Wiggins twelve, uh, eleven points on twelve shots, but just he's been so reliable these playoffs and that wasn't really something you could do or talk about with uh or say i guess with wiggins for a while but there's going to be a back and forth um i it's going to be really interesting to see the warriors are obviously crazy crazy good on the road in the playoffs i don't know how much that's going to impact them but um they're going to need more people to step up again. Like clay has to be better. Um, Jordan Poole was good tonight. Gary Payton coming back is big. Wiggins probably needs to be better than four twelve. 12 Draymond green. Like, I don't know how he hasn't been thrown out of both games. Like it is wild uh, what he gets away with because he's Draymond green. Like if, I don't know, Dwight Howard acted like Draymond Green does, he'd be tossed, like, immediately. Um, It's it's kind of an argument where I can see both ways, where he definitely gets a lot more leeway because he's Draymond Green. But also, like, a lot you watch these games for the superstars, and you kind of want Draymond Green in there. Uh, So it's kind of a fine line they're walking, but... I love watching basketball at this level. Like playoff basketball is one of my favorite things to watch. The finals are one of my favorite things to watch, even when they don't include the Lakers, because it's just a chess match from from game to game with um, kind of counters and like uh, adjustments and adjustments to that and whatnot. So fascinated to see what 
uh, Boston does from here to try to to rebound, but they stole one on the road, so they have home court advantage now. Yeah, that is um, playing in Boston is difficult, as we know. The fans are rabid, dare I say, and uh, it is going to be uh, at least a fun next two games from a viewer standpoint watching at home. Uh, the energy in that crowd is going to be ridiculous. I mean, Boston is definitely a basketball town, uh, and so that should be a lot of fun. Circling back to Andrew Wiggins really quickly. Um, I'm looking at the 2014 NBA draft class right now. And statistically, he has been one of the better players. Um, maybe not from like an impact standpoint, but from a counting stat standpoint, for sure. And I wonder if he wins a championship this year, where what that does for his, I guess... Um, where would you take him in a redraft sort of stock? Uh, Cause right now I think the only, the only people I would confidently say I would take ahead of Wiggins uh, at least in his current iteration is Jokic Embiid. And I would hear arguments for Zach Levine and maybe mm, I didn't say maybe Julius Randle, Marcus Smart, but um, I mean, good. What number one? Good draft class. Uh, do you want to guess who the fourth leading scorer behind Andrew Wiggins, Nikola Jokic, and Zach Levine is in the 2014 draft class? I mean, my guess would be Joel Embiid, but the way you phrase that makes me think it's not him. Yeah, it's not him at all. It was the 46th uh, pick in that draft. Oh, I was going to say Aaron Gordon. I have no idea then. His name is Jordan, oh, Jordan Taylor Clarkson. Clarkson. Yeah, once <laughs> once I registered 46, that's that's the Lakers' uh, sweet spot. Yeah, I wow, fourth leading <laughs> sport. Wow. That's wonderful, man. Shout out JC and Julius Randle's number five, Joel Embiid's number six. But Jordan Clarkson, man, he was he was number two for a little while and then uh obviously Jokic and Levine went nuclear so uh but shout out Jordan Clarkson would I take him over Andrew Wiggins in a redraft tough to say you know tough you'd to ask say. me that like maybe even as late as the before this season started I probably would have like Wiggins is that's a testament to how good Wiggins has been this season and his role uh, but it, I mean, it's also a testament to how good Clarkson has been. I mean, and what has become his role as a sixth man, like, uh, he's incredible. Yeah. I, that's a really, that's a wild class. Cause both Jokic, I think Jokic was a second round pick as was Clarkson. So you have MVPs, sixth man of the year, defensive player of the year. Um, what a wild draft class. Clarkson's actually a perfect pivot, and I promise I did not do this intentionally, uh, but he's a perfect pivot into, I guess, the other news that came out on Sunday. And that's that Quinn Snyder is resigning from his position as the head coach of the Utah Jazz. Quinn Snyder is a guy that a lot of Lakers fans would ho had hoped would become a free agent, and he is now. The only problem is... The Lakers officially announced their head coach on Friday. Uh, and for those that 
didn't hear that man is Darvin Ham and not Quinn Snyder. And I do wonder if the Lakers got an answer from Quinn Snyder before they went ahead with Darvin Ham. Because my money is that my money is on Quinn Snyder taking a year off and then taking over the Spurs job from Pop a year from now. Now, is that what's going to happen for sure? No, it's super possible that Quinn Snyder is a candidate for that Hornets job or ends up at, as an assistant on some team's bench in the NBA. Uh, I mean, the, I'd love him on the Lakers bench, reunite him in, in Darwin. But uh, to me, it seems like he probably wasn't even considering the Lakers job and wants to put himself in a position to take over the Spurs from pop. Uh, but I just wanted to get your read on the, the situation. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine that the Lakers had some inkling about his preference. Um, cause this wasn't like new, like even when the season ended, there were these kind of rumblings that Snyder wasn't going to stay in Utah. And like, even when he shot down like directly right. uh, and said that, like, I love coaching in Utah, but then he like, he spoke in the past tense and like, everybody's like, Oh, what does that mean? Um, it was just a story that kept lingering around. So I'm sure the Lakers did their kind of due diligence on the matter and looked into it. Um if I had to guess, I would say it's probably a situ- the situation that you described that he's stepping down. He just had, wasn't it hip replacement surgery? Yeah. Or some type of hip surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be, I'd be pretty surprised if he was in the league next season. It seems to make sense for him to step down, get healthy, take a year away from the league. Uh, and he's going to be the hottest coach on the market for every job that's going to open up for between now and whenever he takes a job. So whether, I mean, whether it's Charlotte this year, whether it's the Spurs job, which I mean, on its surface, it isn't great. You're going there for the stability of it being the Spurs, but like roster wise, that isn't a great roster mm-hmm. um, or whatever Philly. If doc is gone sometime in the next year uh, seems likely <laughs> very plausible at the very least uh whatever it may be like um he's going to be that top candidate every time there's a big opening like that so i think he'll probably take a um take a year off but the timing's certainly interesting two days after um the lakers announced darvin ham uh quinn snyder comes out it was really odd that the lakers waited a week between like yeah. new news leaking of Darvin Ham and like, I mean, everybody magic confirmed it. LeBron confirmed it. Like everybody tweeted about it. Giannis confirmed it. Like everybody knew. And then they just waited a week and it was just long enough for people to start thinking, is there something going on here? And then they announced it, but the timing's certainly really interesting. Ultimately though, I, I believe the Lakers probably had pretty good insight on what Quinn Snyder was thinking, whether Mm -hmm. it was how much interest he had in the Lakers or how much interest he has in coaching period. So um, if he wants to come back to the Lakers, I would certainly welcome it. And you can 
reunite that staff sans Mike Brown, but uh, I'd be surprised if he was on the sidelines in any capacity, at least to start next season. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I wonder if being an assistant coach for the Lakers would take him out of consideration for that Spurs job in Pop's book. Uh, <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> if you do any, I mean, he he was already an assistant with the Lakers, but that's far enough in the past. Pop can look over it. If you if he's coming straight from the Lakers to the uh, Spurs, there's no shot. I guess the last bit of coaching news or news at least related to the Lakers coaching search was a report from Mark Stein on Friday about Jawan Howard basically I mean not basically uh Mark Stein outright reported that if Jawan Howard wanted the Lakers job it was his to have which is crazy um and I mean I would have welcomed it he seems like the perfect balance between you know a head coach worth developing into just an all-around coach for whatever generation or iteration of the Lakers that will be here the next few years while maximizing the LeBron James relationship and the LeBron James style, like just that all-around familiarity with the league and LeBron. Um, And then obviously he decided to stay at Michigan – but for him to be their number one choice, I think it, it makes me think two things. One, that there's they've still got LeBron top of mind, which is good. And the fact that their number two choice still had LeBron somewhat top of mind because he is obviously a fan of him as a candidate um, makes me think that the process was pretty good and that all the noise about, you know, the clutch in the front office not being on the same page or like this potentially being LeBron's last year with the Lakers because of that lack of synergy. Um, I mean, I think LeBron's still has more, more influence than even like Genie Bus is leading people to believe. And I think that's a good thing. Are we sure Darvin Ham was the number two option? Are we sure it wasn't Doc Rivers? <laughs> because <laughs> it, it seemed like there was a, a lot of Doc River buzz. It was just they couldn't get to him. Um, would you have given the moment when Frank Vogel was fired in that moment, would you have been comfortable with Juwan Howard sight unseen getting the Lakers job? Yeah, probably. Um, for all the reasons I mentioned, like, the, la- the only thing I did not want out of this coaching search was for the Lakers to say, you know, this is our candidate. We stand behind him. And, you know, this is a call that we made independent of any outside voice. Like, I think there was a very, I guess, easy opportunity for the Lakers to make it an us versus clutch sort of thing and making a statement with this hire. And I'm so glad they didn't because that would have been just stupid. Like you have arguably the greatest player of all time on your team. You're absolutely like appease him in every way you can, even at his age, because uh, he's still yeah. at, at his best an MVP caliber player. Yeah. And Juwan Howard would have absolutely been that like he 
had the clutch sign off. He had he would clearly had the Lakers sign off. So that's that. Um, I guess synergy is the right word between those two is encouraging because this is a really important offseason they're going into after the Starvin Ham hiring. Uh, they're going to need to get a lot of roster moves right, and they're going to need that synergy between Clutch and LeBron and AD and Rob Palinka and, I guess, Kurt Rambis. Um, all those guys, everybody's going to need to be on the same page. That was one thing I wrote about uh, at the end of the season was that – and this wasn't even necessarily between the front office and – uh, clutch, but it, it still works. There needed to be more synergy between the Lakers, like front office and the coach. And I know I talked about it a lot on here, but it seemed like the front office was working at odds with uh, Frank Vogel, especially last off season. Um, it seems knock on wood, whatever wood is nearby it seems they've learned from a lot of their mistakes. A lot of them were mistakes they didn't need to learn from. (laughs) Like the other big thing from this past week was that they made the concession that Kurt Rambis won't be in on coaches meetings, which like it's insane that you needed to make that concession, but them doing it means that they realize it's like bad. (laughs) Like they realize their mistake that raises questions why they even did it to begin with. But Nonetheless, like, it seems like they are learning from some of their mistakes. I'm not ready to give them a lot of benefit of the doubt yet because last offseason was still really bad. Right. Um, But there are signs that they are – I almost said maturing, but I don't even know if that's the right word. They're they're improving. I mean, last time we had a coaching search – it was the third candidate before we hired someone. And it was, they, I mean, Monty Williams wasn't really their call. He picked the Suns over the Lakers, but then you had the, the Ty Lu fiasco over years and, and whatnot. And there wasn't any of that this time around. They knew they screwed up and they came with a, a four-year deal. Um, so there's like reason for optimism with the front office. Now it's going to be the biggest kind of test they have is to figure out what to do with Russ and what to do with this roster because, uh, I mean, they got the right coach, which hats off to him. And I I think I didn't actually – Juwan Howard I would have been fine with for all the reasons you said. I think he's a good coach. I think he had a – or has LeBron's respect. I certainly know that. So uh, I would have been fine with that. Um, I'd have maybe been a little uneasy, just as I said, sight unseen, giving him the job, but, uh, I mean, he's been a a good coach at Michigan and there isn't really anything to believe that he isn't that. Um, so I'd have been a little uneasy about it, but still, if you're, if what is effectively your top two candidates are Juwan Howard and Darvin Ham, you've got to feel pretty good about where this front office is at. I'm going to choose to ignore the Doc Rivers noise and <laughs> and pretend that didn't happen um, because ultimately nothing really came of it. And most of the 
kind of reporting about it was that Doc wanted to come to L.A. And there was certainly it was more like Doc wants to come to L.A. People believe the Lakers are going to be interested in him. It wasn't a whole lot from the Lakers themselves leaking that they had interest in Doc. So I'm going to choose to ignore that out of sight, out of mind. But uh, I feel pretty optimistic. Um, again, it was wild writing that story that Kurt Rambis won't be in the coaches meetings. Like, thanks, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was wild. He was even there to begin with, but we'll see. It's interesting. Um, they still don't have any coaching staff. We talked last week about who we thought they would hire. There's nobody even rumored at this point still. Is that worrisome at all? I guess the things that they still haven't done uh, worry me a lot. Like, I agree that they have hit all the right notes so far, but I mean, the show is just beginning. Uh, we could be in for a rough second and third acts. And that actually <laughs> is a uh, nice transition into the last thing I wanted to do with you, Jacob. Uh, at Silver Screen and Roll on Saturday, we posted a Lakers roundtable about how we feel about the offseason so far. Uh, that was done by Nicole and Donnie, two of our contributors at SSR. Uh, but I wanted to run it by you really quick because I think it would cover a lot of ground about the things that are still to come and, and what has happened so far. So question number one, and I think you answered it pretty well uh, there, is how do you feel about the Lakers offseason so far? Like... If I had to give it a grade, a solid A. Yeah, that's feels right. Um, which assistants would you like to see alongside Ham? Um, I mean, Phil Handy, we talked about last week. Still would like James Borrego. Um, I mean, Quinn Snyder now. Uh, but like veteran guys is the main thing. Uh, Phil Handy is probably the number one guy I would want back though. Yeah, I saw you tweet about how you were a little surprised that Phil Handy didn't and like isn't even being considered for the Hornets job. And, you know, if that remains the case and Phil Handy is, I guess, if Phil Handy can swallow his pride and, and stick around one more year, that would be fantastic. Because, I mean, having a guy like him. Uh, and Darvin Ham, like two guys that have just been around for a while and are respected by players so much uh, and been with winning organizations. Like you truly can never have too many of those guys on your team, in your organization, what, whatever. Uh, so I am really, really hoping uh, Phil Handy stays on staff. And then, yeah, Brago would be awesome. Uh, Steve Clifford is a guy you and I have yep. basically penciled in as, as a, guy that probably will be a assistant coach on ham staff. So we will, yeah, we'll see what happens. Now that the coach's seat has been filled, how would you want the Lakers to handle their situation with Russell Westbrook? <laughs> Quickly. Um, I, I don't know, man. It is. It's either I've written about this a couple of times. The fact that I don't really know if he's coming back next season is either a great bit of work in like manufacturing leverage and which would ultimately help them in trading him 
or the dumbest decision the front office has made. Uh, <laughs> I don't really know. We won't know for month, month and a half, which one of those it is. Uh, trading him, though, like attach, attach a pick, whatever it is. Like it's, un, it's untenable, like move on. That would be my solution. Yeah, if Russ didn't, in his exit interview, just basically say that he wanted this to be over. Uh, I mean, and that could have been in reference to just playing for Frank Vogel and uh, dealing with the injuries that they had to deal with. And you can, I guess, make the argument that that played a role in how underwhelming his season was. But you'd have to do like a lot of mental gymnastics to get to that point. And I just don't want you to do that next season. Cause I will not be here. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm getting out at the perfect time. Unfortunately, I will still be watching cause I'm a, I'm a sicko, Masochist. but uh, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Like I think the vibes were bad enough to justify, like, even if he had an okay season, I think the vibes are bad enough to say like, all right, well, that's probably it. We can, let's just see what we can get for him. And um, just from a roster construction construction standpoint, I think you can probably get somebody that fits better alongside this core than he does. And that's the main thing for me is like, I like Russ. I liked Russ going in and, you know, do I think if you throw him on the Knicks or something like a similar team that needs a point guard and needs a lot of offensive production for the point guard, like, do I think he will look closer to the player the Lakers thought they were getting? Probably. But as a third option on any team that values shooting, uh, and especially on a star duo that, like, don't get me wrong. LeBron's made some serious strides as a three-point shooter throughout his career. And last season, I think he was really, really good. And the hope is that Anthony Davis can rediscover that form from behind the three-point line. But, I mean, when you don't, like, short of having, like, Steph and Clay as your other two stars, um, like, Westbrook just isn't going to work as a third option. And so, yeah, I agree. I, I wouldn't say by any means necessary the Lakers get rid of Russell Westbrook, but if it takes even just one first-round pick to get, like, a decent package for him uh, that includes, you know, role players that you can play in the postseason, you got to do it. I'm sorry. I think the one thing that stuck out with me, and I, I can't remember who said it on Twitter, um, but basically – having Russ was supposed to be fun at the very least. It wasn't fun. <laughs> like there were a couple moments like dunking on Gobert or that shot against uh, Toronto. But the fact that you can kind of pinpoint the fun moments tells you how not fun the season was. So that was my big thing. Like this was at the very least supposed to be fun. Last season was not fun for really any stretch of game. So uh, cut your losses. You still have LeBron and AD, and if you can do enough to just surround them with talent, you're going to have a title contender. 
if you bring Russ back, it's not a title contender. And right. you can't you cannot afford to kind of throw away another LeBron season like that. Like there are a very finite amount of those left. And yeah, I mean, you just can't, you know, it doesn't work. Just cut bait on it by whatever means and try to figure out, try to salvage what is left and go on and move on from there. Aside from moving Westbrook, what else should be on the Lakers to do list in terms of roster construction? Uh, there's a lot of ways you could go with this. Um, I'll say bring back Malik. That would be pretty high on my list. Uh, he's a perfect fit with LeBron, with AD. And, I mean, he proved in a number of games that he can be on the floor Um in big moments uh he thing made a lot of strides defensively this year and that would allow him to be on the floor in big moments in playoff games and stuff like that but bring back Malik would be pretty high on my list yeah I I don't know if Malik Monk is somebody that I would like if the Lakers were to free up cap space as a result of a rush trade like do I free up that cap space to re-sign Malik Monk? Probably not. Um, I think I am a little further from the he can play in big games uh, camp than you are. I just think we've seen so many just smaller guards that aren't very good defensively get picked on in the postseason uh, this year that I don't know. But I do think you need players like that in the regular season. They win you games and Malik Monk. If the, if the Lakers weren't so bad, he probably would have won them more games because he is just an absolute dynamite offensively. And so, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have him back for, you know, the taxpayer MLE. That would be very cool. Um, I think that, you know, Kendrick Nunn, uh, you know, said that he's coming back, and I think that's a big get for the Lakers. And beyond that, like, just getting as many at as much shooting and defense as you can from every position, uh, ideally on the wing, but you know, even like a versatile three, four that can play defense, um, which is a pipe dream, honestly, because every team wants that type of player, yeah. but uh, you know, realistically just get veterans, minimum guys that make sense for the Lakers. Uh, Cause I don't, I mean, a lot of them they signed last year just really didn't. The, I mean, the other thing I was going to say is get wings. So that, that kind of goes hand in hand. Do you think Malik Monk could be a Jordan pool type or play a Jordan pool type role for the Lakers? Oh God, that is a tough question. Cause Jordan pool is just so, uh, yeah, I think, I think he would have to have a Jordan Poole-esque season in order to get that type of green light in the postseason. But I think he's capable of it. I think their body profiles are a little different. Like, I think Poole's a little bigger and more comfortable attacking the rim, and that's part of what makes him, you know, so dangerous. But I, we've seen Monk fearlessly go at the rim all last season, and if he continues to develop his game at a place he feels like values his skill set, I, you know, think he's capable of making that next leap. So 
yeah, I'd be all for it. I, it, I just want to watch a fun team, man. Like <laughs> it's it. I don't care if they make the playoffs or not. Just I just do go, go out there and, and be entertaining. Um, like I, I think back to when I first started covering this team and like, you know, D'Lo, Ingram, and Nance just dismantling the Warriors uh, was just so fun. And I don't know, we didn't get anything close to that this season. So just fun basketball is all I'm asking for. And Malik Monk is definitely a fun player. Uh, we're down to the last three questions. Should the Lakers let go of their picks this summer if they really need to? Seems like a pretty easy yes or no question. Yeah. Uh, plural, I, that'd be tough, but at least one, I'd say yes. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't care about picks. Um, <laughs> as, like, the Lakers got Austin Reeves as an undrafted free agent, and if they're, if they're confident they're going to be able to get production in the second round, then, like, that's cool. They'll have opportunities to trade uh, – their picks in the future like on draft day so they're not they don't totally have their hands tied i'd agree it wouldn't be ideal if they had to you know get rid of multiple picks but one pick is the minimum i think they should be giving up this offseason because that's the only way their roster is going to improve um how do the lakers persuade lebron james to sign an extension get it right in the off season. He can't sign an extension until the beginning of August. So uh, the Lakers kind of have to prove that they know what they're doing in free agency and the off season trades, whatever it is. So uh, I mean that get it right in, in free agency. And once the off season starts and LeBron will sign on um, what that entails exactly I don't know. He's going to have a good amount of input on that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I still think I'd be really surprised if he didn't sign an extension regardless. But um, just build a contender that they didn't have last season. Now, that being said, it may not be that hard to please LeBron because he was talking last year about what a good team they had and was tweeting about it at the beginning (laughs) of the year. So, like – Maybe it won't be too hard to convince him to sign an extension. Yeah, I just think at the bare minimum, they need to show a commitment to like, hey, we want to be good too. We're not bottoming out. We're going to make aggressive moves in the offseason. Like if there is a superstar available, we will do our due diligence. Um, I don't know if that player is going to become available or that the Lakers have the assets to pull something like that off, but just keeping him involved in the process. And if they can both at the end of the summer, look at each other and say like, we did our best. Now we're here. Let's build, like continue to, to do this together. I think he signs a one year extension, um, which is cool. Cause then you go into summer with, presumably some cap space depending on what the Lakers get back from Russell Westbrook uh, or if they just keep Russ and punt the season. Uh, like well, that's what I was thinking. Like what is, <laughs> what does, what does LeBron really think of Russ? Like would, does like, 
would he be open to running it back? Like he wanted him here. Like, yeah. How badly did that sour? And like, if the Lakers don't move Russ and he's on the roster, like, is there anything else they can do to convince LeBron to stay? Or does he still believe that that big three would work? I, I don't really, I mean, LeBron can say whatever publicly. He's always going to say that, but I don't know what his real true feelings are. So I would hope that there's some honest conversations between LeBron and the front office about Russ and things like that, but I don't really know what his thinking is there. Let me ask you a crazy hypothetical. Just completely out there, all right? Possibly <laughs> I'm gonna, the last... I'm going to miss these, so <laughs> go on. I hope it's a trade. Oh, not, not necessarily. Russ opts out of his contract. Let's start there. That is the most unbelievable <laughs> part of this scenario. Okay. All right. You, you didn't emphasize crazy enough, but go on. <laughs> the Lakers say, hey, we still believe that this can work. We just need more like money to build a roster around this and give you like the, I guess, guard or forward you need to make up for your lack of shooting and defense. Like, here is a, I don't know, two-year $40 million contract with a partial guarantee in the second year or like a two-year $25 million contract with a partial guarantee in the second year. Is that something, if you're the Lakers, that you consider? Or is that just a flat-out sayonara, we'll we'll eat this whatever money you have in your contract this year and then we'll see you next summer. No, I, there's, no, (laughs) I don't need, like, I'm not even sure what I would give Russ. Oh, in the open market. Yeah. Somebody would give him, somebody would give him the non-taxpayer mid-level exception. 1000%. No questions asked. That's like 10 million annually. Right. Um, man, I don't know that I would be that team. I don't disagree. Somebody would do it. Uh, like, what did Kemba get? Didn't Kemba get like eight years, 24 mil? Uh, he didn't get eight years, but uh, oh, sorry, he got four. three years. I think it was three years. Three 24. years, 24. Yeah, eight year I, contract. Uh, that's that's Magic Johnson esque. Uh, he got maybe it was two years. Uh, looking at his contract it was two years 17 million so Mm. about nine million a little under nine million a year would you even i don't even know if i'd do that deal for russ like i for some teams that might make sense for this lakers team he is just a horrible fit and so like i don't even really know like i would maybe pay the taxpayer mle but like if you pay like i also don't want him to start like if he's coming back i want him coming off the bench and there's like so many concessions that you would have to make and stuff like that like i mean obviously this is a crazy hypothetical but i i really don't know that they're I just really don't think this would work in any capacity with him on the lakers and obviously him being I mean, there was an article we did. He's the 11th highest paid athlete in the world. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, so, like, obviously, obviously, it's not going to work um, in 
in doing that, but uh, I don't know that there's a number that I would, I would pay him at like vet minimum, I guess, but there's a certain amount of like expectation or whatnot that comes with being a vet minimum guy to where you might just sit a bunch of nights, but it wouldn't be a number he would agree to is what I would, anything I'd offer him. He would, he would like laugh me off the phone or whatever it is. Yeah. I think it would all depend on who you can get with the cap space that you are saving uh, as a result of his contract, not being so large. Uh, I think you'd also have to do some maneuvering with THT to get like cap space. That's meaningful. So I was going to say, I was going to try to look it up kind of quickly to even see if it would be a significant amount of cap space that you would even gather mm-hmm. <laughs> not having Russ on the roster, but like, I don't think it would be much. I mean, the Lakers are at Jesus Christ, 150 million for next year. So 103 million without Russ. Uh, I want to say the cap was going to be like 112 ish, maybe. Um So you're only looking at like $9 million, which like the free agency class isn't going to be great. Um, So like 121 million is actually what it's going to be at. So you'd actually have a lot more money than I thought. You have about 18 million, which I mean, it's not max space, but like that's good money. Um, I don't know. That would be. I mean, the more realistic version of this, if you're just looking at the cap space part, is trading him to Oklahoma City yeah. and not taking hardly anything back. And you would almost certainly have to attach a pick to get off his contract. Derek Favors would probably come back. Uh, Give me Kenrich. And, yeah, uh, ideally, yeah. Derek Favors and Kenrich Williams. But that would be the most, like, similar situation and the Lakers would have maybe a little bit of cap space in that scenario. Uh, they would have like all their exceptions, which would be big and the, the huge uh, traded player exception and whatnot. But I, I don't know. You would have cap space to bring back Malik or the MLE. Um, you'd have cap space to sign some not veteran minimum guys. Yeah. So that would be big, but you're totally starting from scratch at that point, which as daunting as that seems, I would much rather do that than bring back rest next season. Yeah. I want to say as it stands, knowing what's out there, that rust OKC might be my favorite fake trade. Like it just gives the Lakers so much flexibility and um, doesn't tie them to like long-term contracts uh, that they don't hand out themselves. Um, and Derek favors is still like useful. Like, I mean, we saw Al Horford did nothing in OKC, but that was mainly because they uh, didn't want him to. Uh, it was somewhat similar with favors. He's not going to be nearly as productive, but yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind it. I still would probably do something with Charlotte with uh, Hayward and someone um, Rozier, Ubre, PJ Washington, somebody uh, over there, but I wouldn't be against just getting Russ off the books and getting that traded player exception and 
trying to build something through that, but those are really limited. <laughs> like the only other option that seems like they're realistically going to have is piecing together role players from New York and considering that I doubt either of Julius Randle or the Lakers want a reunion that takes one of the most valuable guys off the board. So um, these aren't pretty options, but again, I would take any of those three over bringing Russ back. I'm, I'm wholly out on Russ. If you guys haven't figured out at this point, like move on, it didn't work. Neither side wanted it to work uh, by the end of the season, just move on and, and try someone or something else. Last question. And this should be an easy one. Uh, who are you rooting for in the M- NBA finals? Anybody, if you're no, if you, if you say you're a Lakers fan and are rooting for the Celtics, like turn in your fan card, it's the Warriors. I don't even like dislike the Warriors. Like they were good during a time when the Lakers weren't like, they really haven't even played meaningful games against one another. The most meaningful game they played was a playing game that the Lakers won. So, like, I don't even harbor any ill will toward the Warriors and literally anybody I would root against. I would root for the Clippers over the Celtics. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, unless you are a fan of a team that Steph just humiliated during, you know, those years, which there are a few uh, Clippers and Cavaliers and just so many, man. He's so fun. He probably doesn't love him very much. Denver (laughs) probably doesn't love him very much. Like, so unless unless you're a fan of one of those teams, uh, I don't get how you can hate Steph, man. He is everything I love about basketball. And uh, so, yeah, I am also rooting for them. I wouldn't call myself a Closet Warriors fan, but uh, if I had to make a list of my favorite players, that I've enjoyed watching since I started covering basketball. There'd be a lot of warriors on that list. Um, and Steph is at, at the tippy top of that list. That... One of the, uh, one of the only NBA jerseys I still have is a Steph Curry Jersey. So I'm a, it's literally in my closet. So that might make me a closeted, <laughs> closeted warriors fan, but uh, no, I enjoy Steph. Yeah. I have a, I have a Steph. I have a Steph Curry team USA jersey uh which is a grail of mine I, I i got it at the white versus blue game in las vegas that they do um my family was staying in vegas and we're like hey they're playing and uh they had a few interesting ones but curry was the one i went with um that'll do it for this week's show and this show as a whole i don't know and as far as naming rights i didn't sign anything <laughs> it was kind of a just a collaborative thing with with me and Grant. So, um, which wow, we've we have gone through three hosts now, and potentially a fourth host uh, under the same name. Unless you hate this name and just want to change <laughs> the show name, want to start fresh. But uh, I'm really happy with with the work that we did here. And uh, anybody that listened to this podcast, thank you. The fact that every week we were able to you know, look at the amount of listeners we had every week. I, you know, still Mm -hmm. surreal to me and how much it's grown even in the last year. Uh, And since Anthony came on, it's just, it's all been surreal and, and podcasting about the Lakers is a dream come true for mine. Uh, It is a small part of my job, 
but a part of my job I love and and will miss dearly. And yeah, that'll pretty much do it. We're gonna we'll be sure to bring you back. I'll, I'll keep the name. I can handle. Can you dig it? <laughs> but uh, we'll be sure to uh, to bring you back. This isn't the last that they've heard of you, but uh, I don't. We <laughs> Anthony literally messaged me during this show to say we need to figure out what's going on with your show moving forward. So I will have some type of update next Damn, week. I'll dude. be back right away. I'm, I'm not even out the door yet. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Uh, I will be back next week and uh, we'll figure out what this show looks like moving forward. But thanks for bringing me on, bud. And I always look forward to these. So we'll miss you and best of luck uh, covering soccer. Yeah, man. I don't like genuinely i don't know if it weren't for um you know you i guess integrating me into the friend group that we are part of and and communicate with every day that i would have gotten in back into soccer the way i did when i was a kid uh and i wouldn't have even considered this job if it weren't for that community and um you know it's a fitting ending that that soccer is what i'm leaving this beat for because soccer is kind of the reason I entered this uh, in a weird way. It's Steve Nash was my favorite player growing up because during pregame warmups, he would juggle the ball with a basketball and, you know, being on the soccer side of the internet, that is the extent of basketball highlights I'd ever watch <laughs> is, is Steve Nash juggling the ball and knowing how much he loved soccer and Kobe Bryant being a big Barcelona fan and being a Barcelona fan from Los Angeles. Uh, it just all came together for me to start watching this team. when Steve Nash started playing and unfortunately that didn't work out, but uh, <laughs> the one, I guess, good thing to come out of it was I got to, you know, fulfill a dream of writing about the Lakers, a dream that I didn't even know I'd have. Uh, I fell in love with this team a bad team is a team I fell in love with. They were so <laughs> awful. Uh, and, you know, I made some of my best friends, friends that'll be at my wedding as a result of this community and, and covering this team. So it's been a, it's been a blast and uh, you're right. You have not seen the last of me because I will roll up on here unannounced, <laughs> whatever co-host you have next and let them know that uh this is still my house baby i'm just letting you pay rent <laughs> <laughs> we have to we'll have to continue our annual random soccer comparison podcast and <laughs> we'll absolutely bring you on to indulge in that and we'll invite raj on too because i know he'd <laughs> love that <laughs> uh well 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 i guess i'll see you around i was gonna say i'll catch you next week but i'll see you around take care <laughs>